Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. I'm going to talk today about fear, and I'm going to talk about some good news. So hang in there for the good news. But first, I want to talk about fear. We're going through this thing with the coronavirus right now, and we're all feeling fearful. The first thing I want to say is it's okay to fear, feel fear. Fear is a natural, natural human emotion that comes about when we perceive danger. And whether that danger is real or perceived, we feel this emotion called fear. And fear is an evolutionary thing that keeps us safe. If we didn't fear the saber-toothed tiger, we wouldn't run away when it came around. If we didn't fear deep water, for example, if we were a person that couldn't swim, we would very likely drown. So fear keeps us safe. But the problem is when fear gets out of control and it causes us actually more problems than it solves, and when fear turns into panic. So for example, in the case of this coronavirus, uh, washing our hands and keeping social distancing are good things we should do because we have this fear of bad outcomes if we don't do them. Buying up all the toilet paper is not a good thing. It doesn't help you in the short term. It doesn't help you because first of all, you can't, you, you're going to use so much toilet paper. And really, because we're all in this together, we really should be looking for the greater good of everyone. And if we are hoarding anything, then that means other people are short, which means they're going to have problems, which is eventually going to cause us all problems. So let's talk about also working together while we're talking about this. And let's talk about why we're doing the drastic things we're doing, because that's why we're having the fear. None of us have been through anything like this before. And I was trying to think of some analogies or some, some uh, parallels in history and other people have. And I've talked about World War II, where we had to drastically change our lifestyles due to an existential threat coming from the outside. But that was a man-made threat. And it was, frankly, mostly overseas that we never fought battles on uh, continental U.S. soil. So the fear was different then. There's the Spanish flu plague or the other uh, flu of 1918. And none of us remembers that. It was a very, very long time ago. It's before our parents were even around. So we don't have recent memory of that. We have a situation right now where things are changing on a day-to-day and an hour-to-hour basis where we're being told one thing a couple of weeks ago. People said that this is maybe a hoax or is one guy coming from China. And we've been told, you know, a few days ago don't leave your house and, and don't be gathering in groups of more than 10 people. 
Uh, don't leave your house unless you have to. Of course, some of us have to, but practice this social distancing thing. Stay away from each other. So it, it, when things change that rapidly, we're like, okay, what's going to be next? What's going to happen next? And we feel this uncertainty, which causes us fear. So first of all, I want to calm some of the fears and let's talk about the coronavirus or COVID-19. This is a new strain. It's a novel thing to the to human beings, which is why we were acting so poorly to it as individuals because we don't have the antibodies for it and it's spreading like wildfire through the population. That's why we have to practice social distancing. Now, we don't know the mortality rates of it yet because frankly, we don't have really good numbers due to not having testing. So when you see numbers and people say it's X times more fatal than the common flu, we don't know those numbers. Nobody knows those numbers because nobody knows how many cases there are. They're basing that on cases and cases have to be reported. Right now, hardly anybody in the United States has been tested. What we do know is however many cases there are, the number is several times that. That's all we can say. So many people will get this and be what's called asymptomatic. They'll never know they had it. Other people will think they had a cold or a flu. They'll stay at home. They'll take some NyQuil. They'll get some rest and they'll get over it. That's probably about 80% of us. Some people will get something more serious. Some people will actually require intervention and have to go to the hospital. Those are the people we want to take care of, and that's why we want to do what's called flattening the curve. So flattening the curve is spreading out the infection rate over time, because as we, as we do that, the people that do require intervention will have the facilities to do that for them. And this virus protect, um, impacts mostly the elderly and people who are immunocompromised. So what we don't want is to have everybody having to go to the hospital at the same time. We only have so many beds. We only have so many ventilators, and we don't want the system overrun, which puts everybody in jeopardy, including people that don't have COVID-19. So that's why we're practicing the drastic measures that we are. But what I want to emphasize to people is it's not like this virus will wipe us all out if we didn't do these things. Again, most of us would get it, get over it, and feel okay, but we're trying to protect our society, protect our economy, protect our medical system all those things. So that's why we're doing these drastic things. And that's why these things are changing on a day by day basis as people get more knowledge about what's going on. Now I want to talk about, that's the first piece of good news I'm going to give you is that, you know, it's not like we're going to, this is going to, you know, kill us all. This is not the walking dead. This is not one of the uh, viral or the movies you've watched about viruses that wipe out the entire human race. Um, I want to talk about some of the good news around the coronavirus in terms of the progress we're making on it. China, because they were overrun so quickly, had to build actual special hospitals for people that had coronavirus. They have closed last of those coronavirus hospitals. They still have people getting sick. Coronavirus is still there, but the special hospitals are not needed anymore. They've gotten things down where they have it under control in terms of the healthcare system. Uh, doctors in India, this virus is similar to the HIV virus in its structure, and they found some, some treatments that seem to be working. Um, they're not really uh, proven to be super effective yet, but they have worked at least on a few patients. And the good news is they've worked on some elderly patients, which are the people that are most vulnerable to this and people that typically don't respond well to these types of treatments. Uh, there's a possible antibody that's been found. That's a possibility. We don't know any really details on that yet, but there's all kinds of research going on all over the world in this thing really fast and things are happening on a quick, uh, quick basis. There's a 103 year old woman in China who actually recovered. 
So we hear about you know elderly people being more vulnerable, which is true, but it doesn't mean if you're elderly and you get uh, COVID-19, you're going to die. This woman is 103 years old and she recovered. Apple store has reopened all four, or Apple has reopened all 42 of their stores in China. They're not quite back to normal yet, but they're getting back to normal. And remember this virus hit China in sometime like November, December. This is March, four months, and they seem to have a handle on getting things back to normal. So we're looking at, you know, if, if we can follow the same curve or maybe learn from China and even bend that curve down even more, you know, getting it back to normal in a reasonable amount of time. The Cleveland Clinic has a test now that gives results in hours, not days, and they're making it available at drive through Now, one of the things about this virus, one of the big problems in the United States is we don't know where it is. We don't know where the outbreak pockets are. We know where the reported cases are. But again, remember, the reported cases are only the most serious cases because if you're not symptomatic, um, in most cases, you can't get a test and you've got to be pretty sick to even get a doctor to refer you. Cleveland Clinic has drive-in um, tests now. You have to be referred by a doctor. It's not wide open, but we're getting there. And there's good reason to believe we'll have really good testing really soon, which will be allow us to really get a better handle on weeding this thing out, figuring what the pockets are, isolating you know people, getting them treated, and stopping the spread. Uh, cases in South Korea are actually already on a decline where there are people, uh, less and less people, or fewer and fewer people who are getting sick with it, at least seriously ill. You've probably heard about Italy as an example of where the coronavirus has gotten out of control. And you've seen comparisons of the United States to Italy and where we are now compared to where Italy was, you know, like two weeks ago. And there are people projecting that, and of course we're on, we're going to be Italy in a couple of weeks. And Italy's medical system has been overrun. Uh, first of all, hopefully we'll do things, you know, as good or better than Italy and keep that curve bent down. The other thing is keep in mind, Italy's population, 25% of Italy's population is over the age of 65. And this virus impacts people over the age of 65, particularly hard. So that's, you know, that's a difference between Italy and us. So keep that in mind when you hear about the numbers of Italy. In terms of vaccines, uh, it's probably going to be a while before we have a safe and effective vaccine that can be given to everybody for this. But vaccine testing is already underway. I saw a video the other day. The first person in the United States has already been given a test vaccine. Uh, doctors in Israel think they're getting close to a vaccine. And some other things about if they found antibodies for it, they think that maybe it can use people who have had it, use their plasma uh, with antibodies to to protect people, to help people. So those are some of the good things that are being found about coronavirus right now. The research is going at a lightning pace. And with social distancing and keeping the spread of this thing down, we can really keep down the number of people that are seriously impacted. And then we have the ability to hopefully help those people. Now, I'm a doer kind of a person. So I want to know what can I do besides just doing you know, what the, the CDC is telling us. Um, so I've got a couple of things I want to share with you that I came up with, um, or not I came up, well, some things I came up with and some things that are being recommended. Uh, the first thing you want to do is, or I'm doing is drinking more water. Uh, it's always a good idea to drink more water. I don't drink as much as I should. I think most of us don't, but you want to drink more water during this time because just like when you're sick, you want to stay hydrated before you get sick. And since we're all going to be exposed to this, it's best to start drinking, you know, a lot of water while we're going through this process. Um, drinking less alcohol. I've seen some people say cut out alcohol entirely. If that's not possible, at least cut it down. It's been shown that alcohol does affect the immune system, particularly binge drinking. 
I know this is hard. We're all being asked to stay at home. We're bored. We've got nothing else to do. Um, but try to cut back on the drinking of the alcohol. More sleep is important when your uh, immune system is being um, tested. So adding an hour of sleep is something that I'm doing. I typically get up pretty early in the morning. I get up with the sun. Uh, the good thing for me is we just switched to daylight savings time. So the sun's coming up an hour later. So what I've decided to do, I'm adding an hour of sleep in the morning. So I'm, I'm just getting up an hour later. Uh, most of us are working from home now. If you are, you should be able to time shift. So if you can't, go to bed an hour earlier. I'm going to recommend that you keep up your exercise routine. Um, a lot of people go to gyms. I know the gyms are closed. Find something you can do. There are YouTube videos with every exercise under the sun from Tai Chi to beach body workouts. Um, get outside and walk. That's what I do. I walk for an hour and a half every morning. So try to get some exercise in. That'll help your immune system and it'll also help your overall mood while we're all going through this cabin fever that we're going through. Um, I'm acknowledging my fear. I said at the very beginning, fear is not a bad thing. Fear is nothing to be ashamed of. Let's talk about it. Let's express it. Let's let our fear lead us to stay safe and to do the right things. We don't want to be cavalier about this. We don't want to be irresponsible. We want to be prudent, do the right things, do everything we can do, and then let the rest go. And that's the important thing. Do what you can do and then let everything else go. I personally am avoiding negativity. And this one kind of pains me to say because I've seen a lot of spiritual people say, well, I don't, I don't deal with negative stuff. I don't watch the news. I don't, I don't deal with negative people. That's just not my thing. I mean, I, I think it's important to stay informed. I like staying informed. I do deal with difficult people on a regular basis. But when the news is 24-7 coronavirus, it can be an overload. And especially when everything is changing as quickly as it is, we, we literally just can't absorb it and stay healthy. So I'm saying, you know, limit the amount of news that you're watching, watch some comedies, watch some movies, you know, get out and take a walk, you know, things like that, as I was saying earlier, but it's a, it's a time to put a limit on that. And so what I've actually done personally is on, I'm on Facebook a lot and people that are passing around conspiracy theories, people who are passing blame, people are telling me how bad this is going to get. I am snoozing them. On Facebook, there's a feature you can go up and if they make a post and you don't like it, you go up to the upper right-hand corner and you click on the, on the menu there and you say snooze this person for 30 days. It doesn't mean that they can't see your post. It doesn't mean you can't see theirs. If you look, all it means is that their post will not show up in your newsfeed anymore. And there's certain people that are just negative, negative, negative. And I don't need that kind of energy right now. So they're out of my life for 30 days. Practicing gratitude is really important. It's something I've been trying to do over the last couple of years anyway. So when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do before I get out of bed is I try to think of three things I'm grateful for. And those change on a daily basis. The other day it was, I'm grateful I can get up and go for a walk. I can get outside because in some places there are lockdown quarantines where you can't leave. I took some deep breaths and I was grateful that I was able to take a deep breath. Be, be grateful for your health while you have it. Um, I was grateful for, I'm grateful for the internet. I'm grateful that I can get my message out to people. I'm grateful that people get messages back to me. I think this is a great way for us to all stay connected during this time and to contribute to each other and lift each other up while we are socially, physically isolated. Um, if you don't meditate, it's a good time to start meditating. I have an app on my phone. I, it's called insight timer. 
And I use that to meditate every day. I do meditate. I'm doubling my meditation time. I feel like I really need it when I'm under a time of really intense stress, uh, where I've been surrounded by a lot of negativity and fear and anxiousness. So I normally meditate 20 to 30 minutes a day. Once a day, I'm actually doubling that time. I'm doing two meditation periods now. I recommend looking for ways to help. It'll make you feel like you've got a sense of control. It'll give you a sense of purpose. Um, so get out and find ways you can help. You don't have to get out. Um, just be a positive influence on the people around you. Calm people down. Um, I'm participating in a couple of groups that are doing, you know, we're doing meditations and intentions for healing. Uh, one of the groups is led by a woman named Lynn McTaggart. That's uh, L-Y-N-N-E-M-C-T-A-G-G-A-R-T. And Lynn is a person who's done a lot of research and intention and has actually proven scientifically through research that groups of people setting intentions can actually have real impact on things in the world. She led the first one today. It's on Facebook. You can look her up there. It's going to be on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we got together for 10 minutes. We set an intention to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. And we're going to get together weekly to do that. Um, is it going to miraculously stop it? I don't think so. But it has been proven that this can actually help things. And it gives you a sense of empowerment. It gives you a sense of connectedness. And it certainly can't hurt. And lastly, and maybe too early for this, but I believe there's a lesson in everything. And I think there are lessons to learn from this. We're looking at now, how are we going to take care of the most vulnerable in our society? What's the deal with our healthcare system where people, you know, if they can't afford to get tested, um, hourly workers, uh, small businesses, you know, are we, going to, are we going to bail them out? Are we going to bail out the big guys again? Um, looking at internationally, how we're all citizens of the world, how we can't ignore what's going on, for example, in China and India, et cetera. Uh, I think as people... Americans, you know, I think we've never been through anything like this before in my lifetime where I can't go to the grocery store and get what I want. You know, I, I was so happy to get eggs and bread yesterday. I found, you know, Trader Joe's had eggs and bread. And I was frankly a little bit scared to leave my house to go out because I didn't know what I was going to find when I went out. So maybe now when we look at people and we see people that are living in actual war zones that can't get anything and are scared to leave their house, maybe we'll have a little bit more empathy for them because we've got a little bit of a feeling what that's like. And then lastly, what I would say to everybody is to repeat over and over again, this too shall pass. It's going to be okay. We can, we've had things like this before. We've had pandemics. We've got much, much better tools than we've ever had. We've got much, much better communications than we've ever had. We've got scientists of brilliant minds. We have experience. We will get through this. It might be a matter of a few weeks. It might be a matter of a few months. But in the scheme of things, it's not going to be a very long time. And we'll be looking back at this, I would say, by the end of the year, maybe by the end of the summer, and saying, wow, that was a rough ride. But we got through it. So let's get through it together. Let's do the things we can to build each other up. Let's focus on the positives. Let's focus on the things we can do. Do the things we can do. Let the rest of it go and come through this together. Uh, if you do want to talk to me, you can always reach me at grieftogrowth.com. That's grief, the number two, growth.com. You can schedule a half an hour appointment to talk to me. If you have any feedback, feel free to email me at brian at grieftogrowth.com or find me on Facebook. Thanks a lot. Stay well and be blessed.
Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, Hey Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say GROWTH. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.